This is Comic Shanigans, episode 867, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, April the 7th. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. This is episode 867. It's our Comic Reviews episode for releases from the week of April the 7th. And if you're thinking, well, Adam, it's April the 19th. Why am I even bothering listening to something about the April the 7th? Well, that's a good point. Um, uh, up here in Canada, we had uh, April break for all the kids, and so my seven-year-old uh, was home, and that meant no podcast time. There's none of that. No, no, no. <laughs> so it's been a little while since I've had a chance to do reading, let alone podcast. Um, so I thought I'd do a quick rundown. I read five books that came out on the week of the 7th. I'm trying to get caught up on like February books. I think I'm actually finally caught up on everything from February, and I'm working my way through March. And of course, we're already back into April, so it's going to be quite the slog to try and get caught up. Not slog in a bad way, like I don't want to read this stuff, just more like hard to find the time and, and actually kind of make my way through all of it. Um, so we have Amazing Spider-Man 63 is the first book I'm actually going to talk about, but first, I want to quickly mentioned that it doesn't look like I had a lot of releases that came out April 7th from the big two, um, but they did include issues of Avengers, uh, Batman, uh, Challenge of the Super Sons, Conan the Barbarian, Excalibur, Green Lantern, Man Bat, uh, Marauders, Suicide Squad, Swamp Thing, and I believe that is it, except for the books I'm talking about. So first we have Amazing Spider-Man 63, um, which was enjoyable. Uh, you had This is King's Ransom Part 1, with artwork by Federico Vicentini, with Nick Spencer writing it, and it's interesting, like, part of this had stuff that I didn't care as much about. Like, I, I appreciate subplots, so... Part of me feels like a hypocrite to be like, well, I didn't really like the parts with Norman Osborn talking to Kindred and trying to deal with stuff and having, you know, Kingman kind of watching over him and also talking to Bear Mordo about his own thing. Like, that part was a subplot and made sense, but at the same time, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I wasn't super invested in that particular subplot, but I enjoyed that at least it was there, I guess. Um, I did like seeing uh, Spider-Man and Boomerang kind of working together or teaming up, uh, having more about what's going on with... Um, Randy and his girlfriend, the Beatle, because of the family connection, which I, I like that they're kind of playing this up a lot more now as to what this really means and what the history is between these people. I liked, again, the adventure with Spider-Man and, and Boomerang um, was enjoyable. And, uh, yeah, like, I, I thought, you know, this was an enjoyable read. Um, I like to see how the conversation went with, you know, the, the Beatle and uh, Randy's uh, families, Although it's funny because when, when I read it over, I feel like I missed or forget. I don't. I just don't even have the memory of reading like the half, the middle half part of this issue, like the whole, um, you know, Spider-Man taking pictures with everyone. That part I don't really remember that well, um, that clearly, or the, that one page with uh, Nora Winters on it. Um, but then the stuff with Randy talking to his dad, and then Tombstone with with his daughter having a conversation, and then kind of trying to figure out what to do and how they feel about things. Um, I don't know. I, I did enjoy it and. I'm interested to see kind of where this goes from here. Um, yeah, I thought that there was a lot here. And I, again, I appreciate the issue because I feel like if, even though it's, you know, it's still serious stuff, it felt so much of a different tone and a more enjoyable tone than all the Kindred stuff. Um, and I kind of like that, you know, Randy kind of getting his own storyline. And I like the use of a Beetle as well. And even using Crime Master, like there's so much going on, so many people. It really is an action packed, you know, kind of thick issue. Um, but I enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it was, you know, well worth reading. Uh, next up, we have Crime Syndicate number two. This I really enjoyed. Um, this is by Andy Schmidt and Kieran McC McCown, or McCoon. 
and um, I really dug this. I mean, I think I just like alternate realities in general. I thought this version of the criminal of the uh, CSA was really enjoyable, uh, or just the crime syndicate, I guess. Um, kind of seeing the use of characterization with the, how the characters are different in this reality, uh, seeing kind of Starro, what that means. Um, I like how Owlman's being used. I like the use of, I guess, Power Ring uh, that he kind of has with him, or Power Ring's. Um, uh, battery. I thought this was really enjoyable and interesting. Uh, next up is Immortal Hulk 45. This is continuing uh, the current storyline by Al Ewing. Um, I, you know, it's funny. I feel like this is a book that really benefits from reading it a lot at once and not necessarily monthly because so much is on the table and so many things are happening. So, like, when we see Betty and I didn't remember where we last seen Betty and what was going on with her, so it was nice to kind of check in with her. Um, I feel like, and again, this is I feel like we've had a lot of guest artists recently, but I'm probably wrong there. Again, it's just, you know, we read it a month, every month in, a month out, and sometimes you forget things. Um, this issue is called Ready or Not. It's valuing, as I said. Joe Bennett back on pencils. Um, really liked the ending. I thought it was, you know, really creepy and exciting. Um, interested in what uh, Joe Fixit becoming the Hulk, the Red Hulk even means. Um, there's just so much going on, and it's fascinating. I really thought... The whole thing with um, Walter Sampson was an interesting uh, idea. Um, you know what's going on. There's like a lot of body swapping and weird kind of body issues in this series, and it's really interesting. Uh, part of me scared about getting issue to fifty because you know I, I don't want it to end, but at the same time, I, like I want some things to be wrapped up. So I'm not sure where I am there. Um, but uh, you know, what I always give credit to Al Ewing is it never really feels padded. It never feels like an issue is pointless. Uh, he's pivoted. A few different times throughout the book, and I think that is really is to his credit that you know it feels like it's doing something new and something exciting, um, which is cool. And then we got King in Black number five um, came out, and um, it's interesting because in general, I think the the King in Black was a little bit um, what's the word disappointing. Um, I, don't, I don't think it was all it was cracked up to be. That being said, I did enjoy the final issue, having you know Silver Surfer. Uh, you know, with with the light and how it, it bonds with Eddie, and it's because he's bonded with the Enigma Force, or which we find out in the other issue of Venom, uh, having him do something to um, uh, the bo- the 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 board of uh, Silver Surfer, as well as the, uh, the Molnir, and kind of making this powerful new weapon was pretty cool. And again, there's a lot of cool moments, and I think a lot of where this issue works is because Ryan Stegman is the artist and it makes everything look awesome. So even if some of it might be a little less exciting or like just in a, in a, in a lesser artist hands, some of this may not have worked as well or been as enjoyable, but I think it works because you have Stegman really killing it on the art. Um, as a story, I think it's relatively basic. It, it doesn't seem that exciting or that big. And it's kind of like, well, the light has been waiting all this time, and now it's finally bonded with the right person who could harness it to take out the King in Black. And that's fine. I just, you know, it's... Did that need to be Eddie Brock? Well, obviously it needed to be for the story to work, but did it need to be otherwise? I'm not really sure. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about everything. And I kind of thought there'd be more with Dylan, too. And I just feel like... I, I don't know what's going there. I did like how Eddie kind of, you know, kind of rebonds with the symbiote at the end, and he, you know, he's the king in black. Um, there's definitely a lot of really cool ideas here. I just, 
I don't, I, I'm just not sure. And I don't know if it needed to be this kind of massive, you know, crossover laden event that they ended up going with, because I just don't know if it really needed to be. Um, I should flip back to, I guess, Venom 34, which I'm, you know, uh, alphabetically doing afterwards, but it really kind of comes first. Um, and it, I thought that was an interesting, but at times confusing battle, all this codex stuff, all the stuff happening with, um, Oh, again, the Captain Universe thing I thought was really interesting. Uh, but all the stuff with uh, Flash Thompson, I guess, coming back uh, is exciting, too, and what that's going to mean. So we'll see what Venom 200 has to, you know, in store. I guess the only problem that I have, and it's not a problem, so it's more of a, it's not even a nitpick, it's just an observation. It's one of those things where I don't know how you go backwards. And, so, and I say that not because I want Venom to go backwards, not because I want Eddie Brock to go backwards, but I feel like this series has definitely pushed him in a very different direction than we're used to. And I think part of it is inevitable that when you have a character who is used to being a villain and you kind of rescue him from being the villain, um, or he was an anti-hero for a long time, or sometimes more anti than hero, um, and now he's a lot more heroic... And you have him palling around with Avengers, etc. I just don't know how you go backwards. Um, and I don't think you'd ever go back to maybe the street level Venom we're used to. And I don't know. And I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest. Um, you know, and maybe it's stupid. You know, maybe you know. It's, I'm sure there's people who are like, I don't know if you can ever have Hawkeye be an Avenger. I mean, he's a bad guy. And then suddenly, you know, 20 years later, everyone's like, Well, he's the best Avenger ever. You could never not be an Avenger. And same thing with, like, Vision, not Vision, um, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. You know, they've become entrenched as heroes, even though they started as villains. It's just that Venom's time as a hero was much longer, and it was so tied... I guess that's the big thing, too, right, is that his origin is so intrinsically tied to being a villain and being a bad person. Anyways, I don't know what my point is. I just... The more we go afield from that original core premise... I don't know if they can ever go back to it, and I don't think they have to. I don't think they necessarily would want to, but it's just interesting that, you know, if you ever do kind of a reset, it feels that that much harder. And that's probably why you'll end up with getting symbiotes and other people, because it's easier to make them villainous than to maybe undo some of what's been done to Eddie over the years. And they've definitely done kind of more than most in terms of really expanding the mythos. And do I always like what they've done with the symbiotes and how there's been other symbiotes on Earth and other places? And it... I don't know. There's, there was something to the specialness of Venom before that he had kind of the only symbiote, and obviously there was a planet out there, but it was never, you know, it's only in the last ten, fifteen years where I feel like they've despecialized the symbiote. Like up until when he gave up the suit to what Angelo Fortunatos or was it one of the Fortunato kids uh, back there, Marvel Knight Spider Man. That was the first time that it was never it was not Eddie Brock anymore. Um, and ever since, I just feel that they've, they've thrown a lot of people in the suit. And I, they are, and it's interesting because, obviously, like Flash Thompson was a big one. And that meant a lot to a lot of people and had his own book. And it was very like, kind of iconic, this idea of, like, Agent Venom. Um, so, like, where do you even go with that? And Eddie Brock's is such a weird history with, like, being anti-Venom and all, all sorts of weird stuff as well. So I just, I just don't know how you go backwards. So I'm interested to see what... Venom 200 is, and I'm interested to see what they do with Dylan, and if, then, if there ends up being more to Dylan's story, now that they've kind of purged his connection to the black. But I guess we'll have to see when that comes out. Uh, so that is uh, that is April the 7th uh, comics. Um, when I take a look at uh, books that came out on the 14th, um, you know, there was, a f- I think there was a fair bit more in general that happened to come out. So if I take a look here... Uh, let's see, from Dynamic, sorry, Dan, Dynamic, uh, Dynamite, um, they had a, a bunch of books like Dejah Thoris, 
uh, had a million um, alternate covers. Does Dynamite always have that many alternate covers? Um, over at Marvel, you had uh, America, uh, sorry, uh, Black Cat, uh, you had Children of the Atom, Daredevil, Dark Hawk, Heart of the Hawk, uh, Fantastic Four, um, let's see, Gardens of the Galaxy, uh, Ironheart, Heart of the Dragon. I, really, I think I've only read the first two issues, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, you had New Issue of Iron Man, you had this... Oh, King of Black, Namor, Maestro, Warren Pax. You had Namor the Submariner, Enter the Submariner, Epic Collection, which part of me is interested in, just because I know nothing about Namor's stories. Um, got Nonstop Spider-Man, Power Pack, Spider-Man, Spider-Shadow, which is supposed to be really interesting. I got Star Wars Bounty Hunters. Uh, you got the Incredible Hercules Volume 2 Complete Collection. Part of me kind of is sad I kind of missed out on the first issue of that. I uh, got Thor number 14, continuing that epic storyline. You got X-Men Avengers Onslaught Volume 3. I have this in original singles. I have this in The Omnibus. I have this in the original kind of complete um, Clone Saga Epic Trades. Sorry, uh, complete uh, Onslaught Epic Trades. And yet, I still want this newer revamped version as well as I want the X-Men Milestones version of Onslaught. For no reason. I don't know why I feel this way. And there's also a new issue of Wolverine. Uh, over at DC Comics, there was uh, Batman and Death in the Family, uh, the Deluxe Edition, Batman the Dark Knight, uh, what else? Uh, Batman Urban Legends, Challenge of the Super Sons, uh, I think this is the digital first coming to print. Um, New Gods, Book One, Blood Bloodlines. You got Rorschach. You got uh, the Legion of Superheroes Volume Two, Trade Paperback, Trial of the Legion. You got Who's Who Volume One, Omnibus, and you have an issue of Wonder Woman as well. So there was a lot of stuff that came out. Oh, and the Batman and Scooby Doo Mysteries, which actually just seems like a very cool and fun idea. Um, so that is everything that uh, is coming out on, or, or really, let's be honest here, has already come out as of uh, the time I'm recording this, but this is what came out on the 14th of April. And hopefully, uh, God willing, I'll be talking about it sooner than later and before the books that come out on the 21st, but we'll see. Anyways, thanks again for listening to this episode, and uh, you can always email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, rate the show on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and listen to us on Stitcher. Thanks again, we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.